The Marching Roundtable is proud to be an official media partner of Drum Corps International and Music for All. I'm a big person on don't force something, you know, like you'll know. It's so weird. Like, I, I think that we, that's part of like that trusting that gut instinct is that like you start to just know when something is a good fit or when it's not. And, you know, like what's a good fit for one group in your style of design might not be a good fit for another group in their style of design. Where do you start when creating a show? How do you learn to trust your gut, decide to pivot if a show's not working? And how do you let the evolution of the design take over? On this conversation, Zachary Barber and Jessica Slaybaugh discuss the creative process. They're talking about the world of Winter Color Guard, but the concepts they talk about will be helpful to anyone who ever creates a show of any kind. Thanks to the sponsor of this message, LCL Mentors, found at lclmentors.com. Learning to trust your gut in the creative process on the Marching Roundtable. when you were a young teacher? Not formally, but informally, yes, I did. You know, I had people, um, a friend of mine who is uh, 15 years older than I am that actually taught at the same high school that I did 10 years prior to me and, you know, and he did. He said, everybody needs a mentor, you know? Um, so that's, that's actually very true, you know, and I would say, what do I do now? This happened, you know, and there were uh, some other colleagues in the district that you know I knew I could reach out to and, and ask questions of and you know that's important so yeah. LCL Mentors, friendly helpful advice when you need it. Zach being part of the activity and really focusing a lot on the creative process I just kind of wanted to dive into you know as, as a young instructor, where do you start when we're talking about the creative process? And um, more specifically, we just got done with it as far as Winter Guard. So what are some of the first things that you do when you're starting your creative process? Well, I want to start by saying I don't think that there's any one way to go about a creative process. And I think that a lot of times we fall into this habit of being like, this process, this step, this step, this, or it has to be this way, or it has to be that. And I think that the phrase has to be is the death of all creativity. Um, I really do, because I think so often, even when I was starting, I'd be like, it has to be this, it has to be the color purple, or it has to be this. And finally, I, I put myself in these rooms where people would be like, but why? But why does it have to do that? So, you know, when we're looking at like the creative process, I think that there's a multitude of ways you know some people are really inspired by music which i think is you know a majority of us we hear music and then we start to see the idea comes to life i sometimes am really inspired by visuals you know i can sit and come up with like you might sort through like five different images or see something that really inspires you and you'll be like i'm gonna do a show about this this one shirt <laughs> like i saw on like some contemporary pinterest board somewhere and then it's just like a jumping off point. And then it's really just like lily, I call it lily padding, where you just jump from one lily pad to the next of like, what speaks to you, what inspires you, you know? Going back to that whole premise of there is no one way, inherently every artist is gonna have their own way of doing something. And we all fall into like, almost like schools of thought, 
where it's going to be like, I'm inspired by music. I'm inspired by visuals. Some people are going to be inspired by like a color, you know, like it's all going to be so different. And I think that's what's so cool about the activity. But for me specifically, um, it can kind of go either way. You know, sometimes I have like a playlist. I think like one of my favorite things is like once you get your algorithm on like Spotify or Apple Music down, it'll start just basically recommending all this winter garden music to you. Um, and then you just kind of think about like, well, what things stand out to you? Like, what do you pride yourself on? Like, what is your, your identity or like, what is your thing? You know, every designer is going to have something different and you kind of just go with that and you run with it and you kind of see like what feels right. And I feel like as you do it, you start to find your voice. You know, I think at the beginning when you're starting designing and things like that, it's kind of like a little spark and we're all scared of setting the room on fire. You know, it's just like a little spark, but like it's your job as a designer to find your voice and build that flame and kind of just be like, this is the fire I want to stand by. And this is the thing. And then the people who are supposed to be around you will come to your light. So, yeah. When you're starting that, I mean, I guess my question for you is when you're starting that creative process, how long do you spend before you commit to an idea? Or how long do you like play with workshopping it before you're like, okay, yes, that's it. Is there ever like a sign that you get that you're like, okay, nailed it? I don't know. I don't know if there's ever just like a sign because there have been days. I mean, like, I'll be transparent, but there was this one season where we were like two days before camp. And, you know, like it, and two days before camp is like beginning of November. So I'm not recommending this to someone who's starting in maybe January. Like we didn't have a floor or a concept and we just had music and we we're like, yeah, we like it. And we were sitting there and we were like, okay, but like, what are the order of events? Like, what are we going to do? What is the message we're trying to get across? And like, we just couldn't, we couldn't do it. And I, I'm a big person on don't force something, you know, like you'll know, it's so weird. Like, I, I think that we, that's part of like that trusting that gut instinct is that like you start to just know when something is a good fit or when it's not. And you know, like what's a good fit for one group in your style of design might not be a good fit for another group in their style of design. And I think that's always important to reflect on. But I remember this one guard I was doing, like, you know, going into like the amount of time you pick a concept over. I mean, it was like two days before and then we were like, I just don't know. And then we just like turned our phone on. I was like, I don't know. I like this piece. And we hit it. And then like everyone was feeling passionate. Everyone was feeling inspired by it. And I think that too was like when you knew, you know, whether it's yourself or whether you're working with a group of people, it's that moment when you start to look into the room and see like, are everyone else's sparks flying? Right. You know, is everyone else feeling passionate enough to like contribute and then, Oh yeah. And then this, and then this, you can do it by yourself, but there's a different magic that comes from a room full of people throwing out the ideas and then merging and molding and adapting and things like that. So I don't know if there's ever an allotment of time, you know, uh, like for example, there's a group I'm doing this year that I did wonder, like, I was like, when did I figure out we were going to do this show? And it was like last February. Like I knew just then, you know, sometimes you're in the middle of a winter season and you're like, I know what we're going to do next winter season. So, and everyone's always like, oh, what? How do you, what? Oh my gosh, we're here right now. But it doesn't mean you got to like go design it. You just got to write it down. Like literally pull out a post-it and be like color purple and yeah. this abstract shape. <laughs> like, And then just put that down and then come like July, you're like, oh, maybe I have some time I can sit down and look at that a bit more and just kind of like keep watering each little seed you've had over time. Yeah, I think there's definitely a balance between trusting in your own creative choices, decisions, and then also what's what's best for your goals for that program. Because, you know, and you brought this up, but I actually have a story from this season where I was 
teaching a group and, um, you know, I, I fly in Friday and I have a concept, we have a design, we're, we're running with it. And I was about two hours in and I was like, we got to pivot. <laughs> like, and it wasn't, it wasn't, and nothing was wrong with the concept and it wasn't, it just, for some reason with that group of, of performers. And, you know, I think of everybody as a part of the creative process. Every performer is a part of that creative process. And it just wasn't what I had envisioned, you know, and I knew that we could do something that would, would align more with their skill sets. And so I turned to the band director, great friend of mine. I say, do you trust me? I'm going to make a choice. And he's like, I trust you go for it. And we did it. And it was, it was the best choice we could have made. And so, you know, I think you definitely have to kind of balance those two between the creative process and also, you know, what are the goals of the program and, and the performers as a puzzle piece to that, that whole creative process. And you have to be, you have to be willing to take your feelings out of it as an artist. And I think that that is so hard because I say that and then I swear when someone's like, I don't know if the cone's going to work on three, I'll be like, oh my gosh. But like, you have to sometimes really just remember that like at the end of the day, it doesn't define you. And I think that's so important, like being able to pivot and be flexible in those situations, not only teaches your students the value of flexibility and like adaptability in those settings, but it also, it just allows for there to be like this letting of go, you know, like it's okay, we're going to pivot and it's going to be better. And sometimes when you pivot like that, I mean, like in 2020, I was doing the show called Picture Perfect and I was like, so it was like the middle of the show was like end of January and I hated it. I hated the middle of the show and it was a music thing. And I was just like, I don't like this. And I was like, we're going to change the soundtrack. And everyone was like, it's January. And I was like, right. I just can't stand by this and feel like we didn't try to pivot. Cause I don't feel like we're setting them up to be successful. Right. And we did it and you know, it ended up going so much better and it inspired so many things. And I think that's the thing too. Uh, beyond stripping our egos and again I can be a very first forward person to say like it is so easy to have an ego in those moments when you've spent so many hours over the computer and doing all the things it's so easy to be like but why why do we have to change that the thing that has made my life so much easier it goes back to that whole idea of like why does it have to be anything why does have to be this you know there's a multitude of ways that people find success there are so many brilliant designers in our activity and the what's so brilliant is that none of their things look like the others and it shows you that there's so many processes and so many ways to do things that it really is that idea of like letting something go and being adaptable and letting the evolution of design take over is so important because there are so often times that you will start and you might be like we're going to do a show like look here I have something called noir it's like hand sanitizer maybe you're like we're gonna do noir okay but then like what like okay cool but you go into a design meeting and someone's like eh, I don't really like noir but what if it leads to this and then if you're immediately your first response is to be like no you've put up this wall or and you have to go into things in a place of yes even in the most stressful times you gotta look at it with that open perspective of just like what could this evolve into you right. know it's just like, it starts as a seed. And I think so often we plant this thing and we imagine that that's exactly what it's going to be. But like, there's a beauty in just letting it turn into what it's meant to be. You know, um, I just think that's so important, that flexibility. Yeah. 
As I, I guess this is just a question I have for you, but as you know, a lot of our younger designers, sometimes they'll be a design team of one. What, what types of things do you suggest for them as far as, you know, you, you know, a lot of us have a creative team where we'll have four or five or six of us working on this creative project. We'll have people to bounce things off of, but what other ways could they um, kind of start or kickstart their creative career and who else could they use as kind of like a resource? That's a good question. I mean, I think in terms of creative resources, the first thing you should do is you should watch a ton of garden and, you know, like you have to like figure out what you like. Like I will say for myself, I love production. Like I always wanted to feel immersive because I feel like at the core, like it's guard is amazing, but like the things we all fell in love with were that, that magic that pulled us in and it was enthralling. Right. Whether that's through the tricks, through the production, through the props, through the costuming, you have to find that thing. And then like, okay, so let's say like you love this element and you're like, okay, well these guards do it really well. Like watch and learn from that first. Like, you know, be open to putting yourself into spaces where you're not going to be correct and be open to putting yourself in spaces where you're not going to be told that was the best idea. I think oftentimes, you know, we as humans crave comfort and certainty. So we're going to put ourselves around our friends. We're going to put ourselves around people that we know are going to agree with us. But the places I have grown the most are the places where someone challenged me and we're like, yeah, I don't know if I agree with that. Or yeah, I don't know. And you don't have to be negative in that regard. There are opportunities. There are so many times where I may not agree with someone, right? But that doesn't mean that I can't learn from that. I can't take from that. I can't use that to expand on my reason or my thoughts, you know, learn from others. Um, Resource-wise, you have to, like, we're creating art, you know? What speaks to you? What's your favorite style of music? Who's done that kind of music, you know? Were they successful? If they were, what was successful about it? What was that thing to you if they weren't? also learn from that um again just looking at like those aspects and then i really think honestly like my my biggest thing would be that like no one is ever too good to do anything right that's a big thing i came from a very small town um of like 60 people and i there was two of us and i had a disco ball band top okay so like I want to be transparent that like I was willing to do whatever it took to learn. That was not like me forcing my way into programs as a designer. That was me being like, can I come watch your rehearsal? And then there was an instructor who was like, Hey, that eight count transition needs to get filled. Will you do it? And I would go out there and I would try to write, like we were going to WGI top three and they'd be like, "Mm -mm, it didn't need to be all that. (laughs) And I would be like, I remember at the time I would be like, but you don't see my vision. (laughs) And I was like 16 and it was just like, it was like a moment where I had to learn, you know, or like also you just put yourself in those environments. And so like, for me, I I started asking people, I would be like, can I come watch your rehearsals? Can I come do this? Can I come do that? And I would put myself in those situations to just learn. And then when I got my first opportunity, I don't think any, I'm going to also be transparent. I don't think any of our first opportunities were ever the opportunity that like we wanted necessarily, you know, I think that's so transparent and so real and raw to talk about too. Cause I think we all want that, like walk into like the scholastic a open a world program. You're the director day one, the kids listen, the administration loves you. You have rehearsal facilities with like 30 foot ceilings and your kids can throw perfect sixes. Like, yeah, that's what we all wanted. But I walked into like a seven person guard in the cornfield 
And like, I'm thankful for that because I learned from that. But I think that the reality is, is that like sometimes to get where you want, you're going to do, have to do things that you don't want to always do. And I think that that's like a really raw and honest reflection on things too, because I oftentimes see a lot of people where they almost like completely shut themselves off to opportunities because like maybe the pay isn't great or maybe it's really far away when it's more of like, can you redirect it? You know, okay, this school only has this kind of budget it is still a school that needs resources. They still need education, right? You still wanna make sure those performers get what they need, but can you redirect it and look at it and go, hey, based on your budget, I can't be here full time, but I would love to be a part of your program and part of your process. Can I come in and offer my help on like one night a week or can I do this instead, you know? Some help is better than no help. And in that process, you are going to learn and grow so much. That's my biggest thing. I think for me, I am glad I put myself in those spaces to not be scared to ask and then not be scared to just like put myself in those environments. And then I think in terms of resource wise, just don't have, don't be so prideful. You're afraid to ask for help. I think that there's so many people. And I think oftentimes I'm just going to be really transparent. That's anyone who's going to be on this webinar. I'm going to be very transparent. It's just that like, I think oftentimes we, we get into this mindset that when we see people who have had success or have done something in that way, that is almost like an intimidation thing. And it's like, you don't want to talk to them. You don't want to get in their way. And it creates this like stigma where it's like, I love talking to people. You can see me at a show and please come up and talk to me. Yeah. I will talk yeah. to you for an hour. <laughs> As long as I don't have a group going into warm up, please talk to me because I want to talk. I want to see what other people's perspectives are. I want to help. Like my biggest thing is, you know, I'm from St. Louis. Like my big thing over the last five years has been like helping build our circuit up. And I love doing that in any circuit I go to, like being able to go and spread the thing because, you know, there's so many circuits with so many amazing instructors, you know, that it's like there's so many golden nuggets that we can take from each other and share and spread and it just helps the activity grow and you know i just think that sometimes there's this stigma of like when someone is successful now there are outliers too like we can be transparent where there there are some situations where it does turn out that way but most of the time there people just want to talk and they want to learn and so again to any younger instructor again i'm young too it's just don't be afraid to like ask the questions and put yourself around those people. And even if you don't always agree, you can still learn something. I think that's so important to remember and go into things with, you know, no one ever thinks you have to agree on everything. The top design teams in the activity are all equally successful in their own regard. But if you put them all in a room at a table together, they would not agree with one another. And right. I think when we think of disagreement in that regard, we think to ourselves, we're like, well, if we don't get uh, correct, then I'm not going to be successful or I'm not going to be this. And it's like, that's not true at all. Success has many roads. You know, there's not one vehicle that gets you to one destination. It's more about how do you take care of your vehicle on the highway of obstacles to get there. <laughs> so true. You don't want to crash. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, I loved what you said just about any and all resources and being so open. Our community is, is it's, we have so many different types of people that are in our community. And it's one of the things I love and being able, I mean, I remember being a young director myself or even just trying to get in the activity. And it's like, I was that one who was like, 
you know, I'm going to go and tell everybody my ideas because I wanted them to pick them apart. I wanted to learn and I wanted, you know, I never passed up a critique opportunity ever because, you know, if that gave me an opportunity to sit there and and learn more about our activity, I was going to do it, you know? And I think too, there's so many aspects out there where you get to almost, um, you know, justify and defend and talk about your art. And I think that that gives us another avenue to continue to build on what we're doing. And, and it also makes, you know, every time I get somebody who like will ask me questions about, you know, a creative process or where I'm at or what, what I'm thinking to me, those questions help define what that product ends up being. And yeah. so it's like, I love that. It's like, ask me, you know, let me, let me explain it to you because by me explaining it to you, a lot of times that creates more of the process and we get a better understanding of what that was meant to be. So I love it. Love it so much. How many times I've been talking to someone and I will just start talking and then like, I'll say something and I'll be like, I might need to think about that now. And then like that leads to a different decision. You know, we're all working together. Um, yeah, no, I think it's really, really incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, from a young director standpoint, and if you're trying to, you know, part of, part of your creative process is also going to be looking at your team and what goals you want to achieve that season, because that's going to really play into what road, what, what pathway you're going to take, what highway you're going to take, what obstacles you want to challenge yourself with. And so I guess my question for you, Zach, is what are some, what is some advice that you would have as far as making really smart program decisions? Okay, first one is, and I even, everyone struggles with this, okay, but it's a reality that, like, I can sit here and say, and I hope it helps someone, because I know I needed to hear, is work with what you have and not with what you want, and I think that we need to, I'm going to say it one more time, work with what you have, not with what you want. We go into this process, every director does it. You get this school, you get hired on, the euphoria is real. You're like, this is it, this is the moment. I'm gonna build them up, we're gonna go Scholastic A, we're gonna make Dayton finals, then we're gonna be open, we're gonna medal in two years, and I'm gonna be in the world class. You do not get to that by just dreaming it. And you have to be real and realistic and look at what you have whether that is resources, administrative support, talent, staffing, hours in the day. There are so many things that go into these goals of these things. And I think we have, okay, obviously I've never built a scholastic world program. So I'm speaking from an observational standpoint, but I think that we uh, idolize, you know, everyone wants to be scholastic world and and we want to get there and we want to do the things and we want to have the groups that go out and have like the the props and the and the magic and you want to be that garden in the top 12 that's just like oh my god that's so incredible but like what is so incredible is like their process of how they got there and i think every year we keep seeing the built on yeah you see like oh my god they did this this year oh my god they did this but you didn't see it when they were in their gyms building up the program from day one when they were like befriending the janitors and making sure that they had administrative support when they were working to get the culture right and having pizza parties every other week just trying to get kids in the door you don't see those things and you didn't hear about them and they just sure as heck did not come out with like 13 kids throwing an ensemble five just because they had it in the fall season and it was successful once 
I think, I think oftentimes we are so ravenous and hungry to get to world or to be the most talked about group that sometimes we forget what we, our job is to do is to set our performers up to thrive, not just survive. And again, that goes in stripping away that ego aspect of just knowing that like, can, if your performers can't do this, it's not a reflection of you. Quite honestly, you can be some of the best educators in the room, but if the culture is not right in the atmosphere for the performers, you cannot get things done. And I think that we work towards this like idealized what we want, and then like you're making decisions based off that versus the reality of where you're at. And the people who have made it the furthest were realistic about what they had in front of them. And they created solutions to make that and max that up. Rather than like taking your like guard of like 16 and stretching them all the way to their limit. Right. These people that we look at, we have such respect for and think are incredible. were smart enough to look at that 16 person guard years and years and years ago. And they were like, okay, yes. And on my team, this person can teach this and this person can do this and this person can do this. And from a pedagogical standpoint, we're looking at building the program up from a cultural standpoint over the next four years. So we need to look at doing a style show like this. This sits in line with our style and identity, who we want to be. That's how we're going to get the kids that we want to produce moving forward. There's just so many things. And I think just oftentimes, I, I hate to say it, I think we get so, and it's not a, a malicious thing. I don't think anyone goes into it truly intending, because like I have goals of wanting to be a world-class designer and I have goals of wanting to go to classic world unit. I mean, I do, I, everyone, there's no shame in saying or admitting that, but I think that the thing is, is that like, we have to be realistic and there's no, there's nothing wrong with sitting in a reality that like, I am not there yet because that means that you have steps to go. And that's the exciting part. You know, this exciting part is growing and finding and learning and going about that, you know. So I just think oftentimes we we just idolize it and we don't take our ego out of it. And we are just so quick to, and again, I'm guilty of this too. So I hope no one thinks I'm like pointing fingers because I'm not. I mean, I have had egos and many times, even this season I've had egos at times. But I think it's, it, it is truly understanding what you have right. and how you can max that out. Because at the end of the day, it's not about us. It's about mm -hmm. our students. It's about setting them up to feel successful. And you can really max out what your students do when you really take the time to look at what's in front of you and not pass the clouds of what you dream they can be one day. Let that be like the vision behind you supporting the journey, but don't make that the reality that they have to sit in because then you create expectations that are gonna lead to failure. And right. like disappointment, you know, you're gonna be like, well, why can't we do this or why can't we do that? And that's when those rehearsals become stressful. Yeah, it your culture. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it just becomes, it just becomes, it's just not enjoyable to be in when you're in those spaces. I, I love everything that you said, especially, you know, making sure that you work with what you have and not what, you know, it's huge. And I love that you brought up also the rehearsal space and, you know, and making sure that you, you know, that's a huge part of it. It's like, do you have the resources that you need? to create whatever that vision is and and if not what what can be adapted so there's so many things that go into that hear the rest of this hour-long conversation at marchingartseducation.com there's a link to the webinar video where this podcast is located at the marching roundtable and find similar inspiring topics like this one in the over 1100 podcasts at the marching roundtable or in the hours and hours of webinar videos and interviews at marching arts education 
A membership at Marching Arts Education gets you complete access to every podcast and webinar interview. We're so grateful that so many of the very top educators and designers in our activity have talked with us and shared their secrets. You can learn from these top marching arts professionals at any time at our website at marchingartseducation.com. Thanks again to the sponsor of this podcast, LCL Mentors, found at lclmentors.com. This is Tim Hinton, the Beast of the Marching Arts. Find out more about my services at beastofthemarchingarts.com. And also find out about my new bed and breakfast experience in Tampa, Florida at phantomhistoryhouse.com. If you're a business that works with band directors, marching bands, color guards, or drum lines, you should sponsor podcasts at the Marching Roundtable. Our listeners are the exact audience you're trying to reach. And with thousands of podcast downloads each month, it's a great way to directly reach your target audience. For more information, click on the Sponsorship Opportunities link at marchingroundtable.com or email Tim at tim at marchingroundtable.com. You can grow your business and help support what we're doing here on the podcast.